You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, April 30, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. We are going to talk today about a super, super, super duper important thing. What is your purpose? Why are you here? I have, this is a question that, that I hear so much, not only in just the non-believers, but this is something I hear in believers. What's the deal? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What's, the, what's going on? So the first thing I need to address is there is a difference between purpose and calling. Purpose, I would argue, is universal. I believe we all have the same purpose for being here. Our callings may be different. I'll tell you something that's also interesting about calling. I've known people that I felt were called to do something. And what is a calling? It's kind of God's ordained thing that this is what I want you to do. But I've also seen where I've felt people were called to do something, and they didn't. And God still blessed them. Because God, even though he wants us to walk in his will, he has a way of, even when we kind of take our own plan B, even though we would miss the mark on all the fullness of what he has planned for us, he still has a way of really blessing us and, 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 and keeping us and, and prospering us in these, these times, in these places. So calling is something completely different. Purpose is more universal. Purpose, if you're missing your purpose, you're missing the mark. If you're missing why you are here, not what you're called to do, but if you're missing the reason you're here, then you're really missing the mark. Your first purpose. I've got like four. Let's start out with Genesis. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. It says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that we may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the images of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So what is your first purpose we can extract out of this? God has created you for the purpose of taking care of his creation. You know, he, he created Adam and he created Eve, and what did he do? He put them in the Garden of Eden to tend the Garden of Eden. So I'm not, I'm not a tree hugger and I'm not an environmentalist. I'm not any of these things. However, I do think God wants us to, to be responsible with the world that he's given us. You know, not to purposely do things that cause it harm. You know, I think God, we do have a purpose to... to to take care of what God has given us, not only in creation, the stuff he's given us. If he's given you a house or a car or a family or a dog or whatever the case may be, I think God has charged you with, with part of your purpose is taking care of these things, managing the blessings that he has given us. Here's another huge thing in here, and I missed it. I don't know how I missed it when I was reading it. I, I put it, I didn't, it's not in the summary at the end, we were created in the image of God. God. Part of your purpose is to be a reflection 
of the image of God. We talked about this in Sunday school just today. God didn't send Jesus to die for dogs, cats, fish, birds, snakes, any of these things. Jesus died for you, people. What's the difference between you and all these things? The fact that you are the only thing in creation made in the image of God. Part of your purpose is to reflect that image and that character and that person of God. That makes you cooler than the sun. That makes you cooler than the stars. That makes you cooler than the moon. That makes you cooler than the Grand Canyon. That makes you cooler than the Pacific Ocean. None of these things were made in the image of God. These things were creations of the Most High God just because they're cool and because He can and for our enjoyment. You were created different. You were created to reflect the image of God to this world and to manage the blessings that he's given you. Is that important? That's very important. Here's something a little more, what I consider probably one of the most important things. Staying in the Old Testament here, Deuteronomy 10-12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? First of all, if there was some way I could, I could just change this fear word. This fear word in English does not represent at all what the Bible is trying to say. God doesn't want you to be scared of him. When we're supposed to fear the Lord, and I know people who have been believers for 10, 20, 30 years, and it's like, why does God want me to be scared of him? He doesn't want you to be scared of him. The word fear in the English does not represent what he's saying here. He wants you to be reverent toward him. He wants you to reverence who he is, to appreciate who he is. So it's not scared fear, it's reverence. God wants you to recognize him for who he is and to walk in obedience to him, to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul. See a real flavor of the Shema prayer here. Part of your purpose, right here in Deuteronomy, is to love God. God made you not only to love you, but for you to love Him back. Isn't that cool? God doesn't look at you like a parrot in a cage, sitting on the earth, just, just, just sitting in here singing songs to him. He created you to be sons and daughters of the Most High. God created you to love him. He doesn't want a casual relationship with you. He doesn't want you to like him. He wants you to love him. Part of your purpose, the reason you exist, is to show back the love you were first shown. Just to, just to reflect back what he's already done. Why did God create all of this stuff? You think he needed this stuff? You think God needed the earth? You think God needed us? Do you think he needed the ocean? The whales, the dolphins? All this, do you think God needed any of these things? No. God's holy. 
He's complete in himself. But God wanted to be loved. He didn't want a robot. He could have made a robot. He didn't make a robot. He wanted somebody who shared his emotions. Do you realize all of these emotions that you experience, God experiences them? You were made in the likeness of God. When you get angry, guess what? God gets angry. When you're sad, guess what? God gets sad. You are made in the likeness of God. If you don't understand God, then you don't understand yourself. Because God has made you in his own likeness, and he wants you to love him back. Don't you want to be loved back? Husbands, do you want your wives to love you? Children, do you want your parents to love you? We are made in his image. This is the same stuff he wants. You are made to love him back. That's what he wants. He's, he's not worried about pats on the back. It doesn't matter if you sing a song and however you want to play it, whether it's on the piano or in a worship band. He doesn't worry about that. What he wants is your love. That's what makes God happy. That is your purpose. It's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your mind, your soul, and your strength. That is part of your purpose. It is connected with the reason you exist. And to serve him. Another thing about serving God, we say, well, he just made us to serve him. What's he want? Does he want a maid? That's not what he wants. <laughs> but this is part of reverence. This is part of the fear of the Lord, to understand that he is God. And what he says goes. You know what? When my daddy told me to do something, I didn't like it sometimes, but I knew to do it because I feared dad. I, was, I reverenced my father. Actually, maybe I was a little scared of him. <laughs> he only ever beat me once, but boy, did he scare me. <laughs> he was only half my size, but he's still. But God doesn't want, he just, he's not looking for maids to, 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 to clean, this weight on him or moppers for the, the kingdom of God when we get there. He's looking for people who, who want to do his will and want to. Here's the thing about it. Serving God is not a bad thing. When I serve God is when I feel the most fulfilled. It's part of my design. He created me not only to love him, but to serve him. When I am serving him is when I feel the most alive. And you want to know what? Serving God. Can you imagine a better boss? Really? Can you imagine a better boss? I'm happy that God's my boss. Why? Because God knows all things, he sees all things, and he's perfectly just. That's the kind of boss that I would want to have. But here's the beautiful thing about it. It's just not a, a, a boss, you know, employee type relationship. He wants us to love him. It's a family relationship. He wants us to serve him the same way I would serve my father if my father needed something. You know, as my dad got older, he had a harder time doing things like fixing locks on doors or, or, or doing this and that and the other. So if, when I, and especially my brothers, because I'm like a really busy guy, my brothers sometimes would go, when they went to serve him and to help him, it wasn't because they felt obligated. They were serving my father, and I served my father because I loved my father. It had nothing to do with, with an obligation. That's the, that's the way love works. When you love God and God loves you, 
You do things for him because you want to know he's been doing things for you from the day you breathed your first breath until the moment you breathe your last. And you want to know that's only the beginning then. God serves us. He really does. He doesn't have to. He's God. Why do you think he sent Jesus? Why do you think he sent Jesus? Why do you think Jesus washed feet? There's the example for you. We know from 1 John, I know I'll beat this like a dead horse, but it's important. Remember, Jesus is the creator of all things. He was the Word. The Word was with God. And in Him and through Him, all things are made. So Jesus, the Word of God, was the same guy who took on the lowest position of a servant to wash the feet of His disciples. When God talks about needing, wanting your service, He's not asking you to do something that He Himself has not done. Jesus lowered himself to the lowest place that he could have in his culture and his context. He absolutely did. Your purpose is to give God the reverence that he deserves, to listen to him, and to love him. What is this God-sized whole thing? Even in Sunday school, I'm sure you've heard me talk about this. This is part of you were made to love him. You realize there's a thing built in every one of you that wants to worship God? There's a part of you where you're not complete until you're in a relationship with him. There is a hole in you, not, not a physical hole, but you get what I'm saying here. There is a piece of you that cannot be satisfied by anything else other than the love and the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? There are a lot of people who do drugs. Why? Because they've got a hole that they're trying to figure. They didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I want to be a drug addict today. They woke up with a hole, and they were trying to figure out how to fill it. Nobody woke up and said, I want to be an alcoholic today. They had a hole, and they tried to fill it. This could apply to anything. Why didn't I? Maybe if I get the biggest house in the neighborhood or the fastest car, that hole will be filled. Well, I can tell you what, nothing will fill that hole but Jesus himself. You have a God-sized hole that only Christ can fill. Do we, do we see evidence of this other than their personal lives? Let's look back in history. Let's go back hundreds and thousands of years ago. We see or we see civilizations with pictures that they've drawn where they're worshiping a sun or a moon or even the Greeks with their many gods. We have the desire to interact with something bigger than ourselves, particularly a god. It was there for a reason. Why do you think that these, the Aztecs in the middle of nowhere, way down south, no connection with anybody until the Spaniards came in. No connections. Why were they worshiping something? Because every human has in them built the desire to worship something bigger than themselves. God is the only thing that will fill that hole. You were made to love him. You were designed to love him. You were designed to be part of his, his life. You were designed to be his son. You were designed to be his daughter. He created you that way. That's what separates you from all of creation. 
a God-sized hole. Part of your purpose is to fill that God-sized hole by engaging with Christ and loving our Father and serving Him in any way He chooses. That's your purpose. Are you starting to see the connection, the difference between purpose and calling? You know, if I was called to be a truck driver and I decided to work at McDonald's, there's really not going to be a penalty. God would say, you know what, I meant you to be a truck driver, but you know what, I'm going to bless you while you make hamburgers. And I don't say that flippantly. God will still bless you. However, if my purpose is to love him and to serve him, and I'm not loving him and serving him, do you see the difference in, in, in how missing the mark, how big it is? It is important to pursue calling. How do you know your calling? Let's stop there for just a second. Because I don't want to cause more confusion by, by the sermon. Also built in you are certain abilities, certain desires, certain likes, certain dislikes. The thing I've learned about calling over many, many years is the more you follow those desires and those likes, they tend to lead you someplace. <laughs> Often to what you're called to do, what he, what he planned for you. You know what, my brother Eric over here, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he liked, he had an interest in numbers. He has an interest in, 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 in finances. And, and that led him down a path. You want to know somebody that's called by God? It's that man. I can say the same for every single one of you. God builds these things in you to lead you down a path. But if you miss that path, again, it doesn't have the same consequence as missing your purpose. Because when you miss your purpose, you're missing God. Let's continue on. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And now we're, we're getting up here to Paul. We're jumping up a little bit. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. First of all, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is, is a representative. An ambassador is often in a foreign place, in the context that I'm going to be using, in a foreign place, and they represent the sovereign that in, that, in that place. Perfect example. We have an ambassador to England. We have many ambassadors. This is just, just, just the country that popped in my head. Our ambassador in England represents the United States of America. What you do to him or her, you do to us. They are a representation. That's why, and I'm not going to get this, this, this is a rabbit trail that you don't want to send me on. That's why the Benghazi thing really, really upsets me all these years later. Because what, you did, what they did to that ambassador, they did to us. Again, not just going to avoid that whole conversation. But the importance of the point is that the ambassador represents the sovereign. In this context, who's the sovereign? God, Jesus. Who is the representative? You. So Paul is telling us you represent the king in this foreign land. You represent his purposes. You represent everything about him. 
Here's the cool thing about it. You know, when people hate you because of him, it's because they're hating on him. You represent light in a dark place. So part of your purpose is to be the body of Christ in a very dark place. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So why is this ambassador thing so important? You are called to represent Christ. You're called to represent Christ in this foreign land. The world that you're sitting in right now is a foreign land. Jesus tells us that we are aliens just passing through, and that's real. That's, that's a real thing. This is not our world. We gave it over to the devil back in creation. This is his, this is his pad. This is his place. This is his den. When you're a believer, you're, just, you're an alien passing through. You are an ambassador for light in a dark place. Part of your purpose is to represent Christ. Part of your purpose is to be Christ here and to carry on his mission. When, you rep, when, when Air U.S. ambassadors go to a foreign land and they, they become ambassadors and do their work there, they are representing the mission of the United States to a foreign land. That's exactly what you're supposed to be doing here. So what exactly does that mean? Well, Jesus told us what his mission was. We talked about this in Sunday school today. I swear I didn't. This wasn't on purpose. Luke 4, 18 through 19. What is the mission of Christ? He was, Jesus was back at Nazareth, and he really stirred things up with this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So if you are an ambassador of Christ and you are representing him and you are to continue his mission, part of your purpose is to proclaim good news to the lost. If you're not proclaiming good news to lost people, you're not fulfilling your purpose. If you're not proclaiming freedom for prisoners, we know what? This recovery of the sight for the blind, I've seen crazy things. Talked about it a little bit last week. But Jesus also told his disciples, you know the stuff that you saw me do? You're going to do even crazier things. So I'm telling you, this is this, is, this recovery of the sight of the blind, this, 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 this life of healing, this, this, is, this is still to come. This isn't a yesterday thing, this is a now thing. And to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If we're not like John the Baptist saying, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand, you're not fulfilling your purpose. You are an alarm. You, are the, you, you should be, for Christ, the guy in your, your sphere of influence is like, Jesus is coming. You should be the alarm. You should be saying, Jesus is coming. Let me tell you what, for a believer, that's a cool thing. I want Jesus to come. That's the whole thing of Maranatha. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. Believers want the Lord to come. 
But there's a lot of people who aren't believers where the coming of the Lord will be like, he'll come like a thief in the night and they're not going to be happy. I wonder how many people that we help to hell by not being the alarm. I wonder how many people. I'm not telling you you got to be a pastor. I'm not telling you you got to be a preacher. Be different. Pray to God, Lord, give me the opportunity to share. I promise you, you're going to get it. And then you're going to recognize it. When you say, God, give me an opportunity to share your love, you're going to get it. And you're going to know when it's coming. And your heart's going to start racing. You're like, do I do it? Do I do it? Do I do it? No, 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 no. I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, I'll tell you what. You can do it. When you're feeling your heart going like this because somebody's opened up a window of opportunity, the Holy Spirit's opened that window of opportunity. That's not an accident. I'm telling you to jump through that window regardless. Regardless of how fast your heart's going because you might be the difference between heaven and hell. That is part of your purpose for being here. To, com- to com- continue on the mission of Jesus himself. Proclaim the Lord of God's favor. You've got a lot of purposes. <laughs> what do we call this thing? The Great Commission. What is the commission? Kind of like marching orders. Do you think if Jesus gave you marching orders, if he gave you a clear direction of he wants you to do something, that that might be part of your purpose for being here? What is the Great Commission? This is right before he goes up into heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples. Making disciples is the big thing here. I could preach an entire sermon just on these two passages, but you're going to get the Reader's Digest version. In the Greek, there there are four commands given here. Go make disciples, baptize, and teach. There's only three of them are subordinate clauses. One is an independent clause. What does that mean in the Greek language? Same thing it means in the English language. The, the, the independent clause is the main focus. It's the important thing. Well, guess what the only independent clause is in these commands? Make disciples. So what's important about the other three things? It's how you do it. The subordinate clauses, the subordinate clauses support the independent clause. When you go, the reason you go is to make disciples. When you teach, the reason you teach is to make disciples. When you baptize, the reason you baptize is to make disciples. So the Great Commission is simply this, make disciples. And this is how you do it. So your purpose is to make disciples. If you're not making, what is a disciple? Let's not put the cart in front of the horse. A disciple is a follower. That's usually where we stop in the English. But in the original context, he was also a, a disciple as a student, which is connected with teaching. You are not only 
to go and in in, 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 in to reach out to make disciples, you're supposed to bring them along with you. You're supposed to, you're supposed to teach them the ways of the Lord. You know, the, the, the function of an evangelist is they often come in places and they stir the, the, the spirit and the emotion, and then they get a response, and then they leave. Well, that's, that's a piece. That's a piece. But the, the, the most important part is the part where you stay behind, and you teach people all the things that Christ has taught. So what does this motivate you to do? A, learn it yourself. You can't teach somebody something you don't know. You can't lead where you haven't gone. So part of your purpose is to be prepared to teach. So when we we need, and I know I've talked about this, dig into your word, learn your word. Don't depend on me. I make mistakes. You know that here's the beautiful thing about almost anything in theology. You can put a Almost any topic, you can put three people up here, four people, we can all have all doctorates, and we can all argue about what something means. <laughs> That's why it's so important for you to have your own faith and your own understanding and not my own. And then God has told you part of your purpose is to share what you've learned and to bring up somebody with you. Here's, the, here's one of the greatest principles in leadership, Christian leadership. You are to be under somebody to learn, and you are to bring somebody up behind you to teach. Every leader in ministry should be learning from somebody and teaching somebody. Very important in discipleship. Very important in church leadership. If you're a believer, you should be learning from somebody. You should be teaching somebody. Make disciples. That's how you make disciples. So let's land this plane. What is your purpose? Why are you here? You're here to care for and maintain God's creation and the blessings that he's given you. You are called to be a reflection of God himself because you're the only thing here that looks like him. You are. You are the only thing here that looks like God. Even even the devil... The, the, the guy that was so shiny and powerful that he convinced a third of God's angels that he could overthrow God. You are something more special than even that. Only you look like God. You were called to be a reflection of that image. You realize that even though in glory right now we're below the angels, when it comes to when it comes to your purpose and what God has designed for you, you're the highest of creation. You're the only thing that bears his image. You need to reflect that image well. You need to be in a good ambassador for Christ. A good ambassador for Christ. You are the, you know what, an angel. An angel that served God forever and ever and ever and ever, ever and ever more will never know what it's like to have the Father make a sacrifice for them the way that he has you. Even the angels that that follow behind us and keep us safe, because God gives them the angels' charge to keep us safe, they will never know what it's like to have Jesus hang on a cross for them. They will never know. Who knows, someday we might get to heaven, we might be able to swap stories. 
the angel will be like, hey, you know this one time, that did this cool thing, but you know what's even better? Jesus died for me. <laughs> you can swap stories, who knows? But you are the highest of creation because you should be reflecting that, because you are a reflection of God in this world. You need to love and serve God. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You know, in the original context, it's talking to Israel, but let me tell you what he's talking to you now. Hear, O Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, the Lord God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Be an ambassador for Christ. Carry on that mission. Preach good news. Share good news. Fulfill the Great Commission. Make disciples. That's what you're here for. So if you ever have to question, God, why am I here? Why am I here? What am I doing? I'm just like a, I'm just like a little blob in the middle of nowhere, just a speck in a great world. Why am I here? I just told you. That's why you're here. And you have the highest calling of anything in creation. The highest calling. To be a son and a daughter of the Most High. I can't explain to you how special that is. You know, our biological parents, I had great ones. Not everybody had great ones. Some biological parents, for one reason or another, the child got disconnected or away from. You know what's really, really cool? It's when somebody comes along and says, I choose you. I want you to be my child. Realize that's what God did with you. The Bible tells us that when we're born, we're children of Satan. That's a rough, rough realization. But God says, I choose you. I want you to be mine. And I'm willing to pay the whole price to get you. All I ask is that you love me, that you serve me, that you teach others about me, and warn people that the end is coming. It's that simple. It's that simple. Let us pray.